0: is an often misunderstood and misdiagnosed autoimmune disease. While some 1.5 million people, mostly women, have lupus, it can take years for someone with the disease to get a correct diagnosis. We spoke to Susan Manzi, Medical Director of the Lupus Foundation of America and Co-Founder and Director of the Lupus Center of Excellence at Allegheny Health Network about the disease, why there are so few treatments available today, and why she holds out hope, with a pipeline of new therapies moving through the clinic. Before we begin our conversation, here's a montage of clips from the television show House, courtesy of the YouTube user, Camadelia. You stash your drugs in a lupus textbook. It's never lupus. Happening lupus? Increased platelet count can cause blood clots? ANA was negative. It's not lupus hallucinations
1: are a symptom of psychosis which is the fourth diagnostic criteria it's official this is lupus
0: treat him for lupus i think your son has lupus anemia doesn't cause liver damage add the fact he's coughing
1: blood you've got three of the indicators of organ threatening lupus
0: it's moving too fast
1: it's lupus
0: there's no need to get snippy this kind of lupus takes years to get to this point it's been a week I don't think this is lupus. It's lupus. Come on, let's just go. Your fourth diagnostic criterion of lupus is psychosis. This is just a kid missing his cat. Lupus could oh, cause... lupus progresses slower. there would be joint pain. Lupus could cause lung scarring and a rash. It's lupus-induced kidney failure. For lupus nephritis. It's, it's lupus. A lupus, a lupus. 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 It's not lupus. Lupus is a bad diagnosis. It's not lupus. Sue, thanks for joining us. Thank you. While it's still Lupus Awareness Month, I thought we could reach out to you and and get some insight into an often misunderstood and and often misdiagnosed disease. I'll admit what has kept lupus present in my mind has been reruns of House, and it's the disease that it always isn't, at least on that show. Perhaps you can start by explaining what lupus is. I, I take it there's actually more than one form of the disease.
1: Yeah, you're you're absolutely correct, and it's funny that you start with um, thinking about lupus related to the TV show House, um, because I was recently talking to a group um, about lupus, and the fact that it always could have been lupus on House to me only emphasizes how complex a disease it is, because all those diseases were unusual, if you will. Um, so yeah, so lupus is a misunderstood disease. You know, it is. It's what we consider the model, if you will, autoimmune disease. And autoimmune simply means uh, immune system targeting self. And, you know, under normal circumstances, our immune systems are really supposed to be our defenders against external invaders, bacteria, viruses that get into our body that don't belong. The immune system recognizes them as being foreign mounts a response and gets rid of them, and so we get better from these diseases. But in autoimmune diseases, and by the way, there's many, many autoimmune diseases, the immune system, for reasons that we're just beginning to understand um, over time, begins to recognize self as foreign, so that what we call tolerance to self is broken, and the immune system begins to mount a response and an attack against self. And in lupus, it can be any and all organ systems in the body that are potentially at risk for that attack, Um, and not all of them in every person. And depending on which organ system is, is the target, that's what someone may or may not present with, which is why there are, quote, many forms of lupus.
0: How common is lupus, and who tends to be most affected?
1: So, you know, estimates are that there are about one and a half to two million people in the United States with some form of lupus. Um, it impacts women 90% of the time, which is pretty striking if you think about that. It's really a disease of women primarily, although men do get lupus. Children um, can get lupus, elderly um, men and women can get lupus, but it primarily is women and the peak years um, that women are at risk are between the ages of 15 and 45 so that's young Um, so primarily it's young women Um, and although again any race uh, and ethnic background um, Is susceptible to the development or at risk for developing lupus we see it more commonly in women of color so African-American Hispanic, Asian American women are at higher risk, and as a matter of fact, there are several studies now that have been published suggesting that uh, nearly one in every 250 African American woman has some form of lupus, which is pretty striking.
0: This is a, a pretty difficult disease to diagnose. Why is that? What is the typical diagnostic odyssey for a lupus patient?
1: Yeah, and it's difficult to diagnose probably for several reasons. One is we don't have a blood test that tells you you do or do not have lupus. And I always liken it to someone with diabetes where you take a blood sugar test and you say, oh, you've got diabetes or high blood pressure or you take your blood pressure and you've got hypertension or or high blood pressure. Lupus is complex and there's no blood test that says this is lupus. Um, And so what we have to do as physicians is um, look at the history, you know, what's been happening to this young woman. We do a physical exam and we look for things on the physical exam that may help us. And there are blood tests that can help us narrow down whether or not someone has lupus. But again, it's an art more than a science. Um, And in many cases, it really requires expertise to be able to make the diagnosis. And one of the other difficult um, components to this is that no one presents in the same way. So someone might come in with that they're very tired and their joints ache and they've got a rash, um, they're losing their hair. And someone else might come in with chest pain and they've got fluid around their heart Someone else could come in because their kidneys are failing. So it can present in so many different ways, from mild to very severe, where you know this is a potentially fatal disease. That the spectrum of how people um, often will present to their physicians make it difficult.
0: I, my understanding is, though, that there has been a recent diagnostic test developed. How does that work, and, and has that changed the ability to diagnose the disease?
1: And so first of all, I I have to, in full disclosure, I think the test that you're mentioning um, was developed um, based on some of the technology that we discovered in our laboratories here in Pittsburgh. Um, So I just want to say, disclose that. Uh, I I wasn't sure you were going to ask me about that, but well, it is a diagnostic aid. Um, we, We don't call it a diagnostic test, but this particular blood test that we did develop after 15 years of researching lupus can improve the diagnostic accuracy considerably. But once again, it does require a good history, an accurate physical exam, and it is not a perfect diagnostic so,
0: Is it looking at biomarkers or what? what is it yes, actually?
1: It is. It is a biomarker that happens to be measurable in the blood.
0: So yes. is this understood as a genetic disease and, and do we know what genes are involved if it is?
1: So lupus is clearly in part a genetic disease. Um, we There has been a, a, an explosion of discovery of lupus genes over the past 15 years now. Um, and, and there's probably over 50 genes that have been linked to lupus. So these are genes that are more highly expressed in people with lupus than those without. Um, but it's not purely a genetic disease. And so what do I mean by that? Well, to give you an example, if you have identical twins, so these are, you know, identical twins have the same genes, right? They're they're identical genetically. Um, if one of those twins has lupus, the chance of the other twin having lupus is only about 30%. So that tells you it can't be purely genetic. Um, there are other factors, such as environmental triggers or things in the environment that may trigger uh, the onset of lupus. If you have the right genetic background, um, there are medications that might trigger lupus. So it's a, it's a complex disease, which clearly has genetic, uh, genetic component.
0: How, how important a role does early diagnosis play in, in this?
1: Early diagnosis is critical. And as I mentioned before, there's no cure for lupus, but it is a disease that um, has potential for um, killing people, quite frankly. I mean, it, it can be very severe. Um, and it is a potentially fatal disease. But even more importantly, it can cause great disability. So lupus women, young women, can have premature heart attacks, you know, premature strokes. Um, they can have a, a, a neurologic problems and brain involvement um, and and debilitating joint issues. So, you know, finding it early um, and getting people on appropriate treatment um, can have a major impact in just quality of life and, quite frankly, um, how long they live.
0: I, I suspect, as with other autoimmune diseases, there are periods of flare. Is, is that the case with lupus, and what are those like, and, and how are they controlled?
1: Yes, yeah, so lupus is, um, is a disease that is sort of classically described as a sine wave, right? There are periods where it's more active and then periods where it becomes more quiet. And it can kind of go up and down and up and down. And those periods where the disease is more active, we call flares. Um, and unfortunately, those flares currently are unpredictable. So it's very hard to know when you're going to flare. And lupus patients will complain about that all of the time, that it's hard for them to plan their life or plan major uh, functions in their life, uh, vacations or um, activities, going out to dinner, because they never know from one day to the next how they're going to fill the next day, because they might potentially be going into a flare.
0: Uh, how well understood is lupus relative to other autoimmune diseases, such as arthritis or Crohn's disease or MS? Do, do the same drugs get used in treating people, and do they provide benefit?
1: Well, you know, there there are similarities. I think all autoimmune diseases have some threads that are common. Um, One of those might be genetic. Um, As I had mentioned to you before, lupus is a genetic disease. Oftentimes, a lupus patient may not necessarily have a family member with lupus, but they may have a family member with Crohn's disease or with uh, type 1 diabetes or multiple sclerosis, um, autoimmune thyroid disease. So, yes, um, they do share some genetic risks. Um, and, in fact, as you had mentioned, we also share medications in some cases. Um, you know, unfortunately, drug discovery in lupus has been very slow and, um, and really, unfortunately, not successful. For many, many years. And right now, we only have about four medications that are FDA approved for specifically for the treatment of lupus, which is pathetic when you think this disease has, you know, been around for all these years um, because there have been many failed clinical trials of new agents to treat lupus um, and probably because it's so complex. But yes, we do share medications, and because we only have four that are approved, we borrow medications. Um, there was a lot of buzz recently when Celine, uh, Selena Gomez uh, came out that she had lupus and mentioned that she was, quote, on chemotherapy. Uh, we do borrow chemotherapy treatments from oncology, our cancer doctors, to treat severe forms of lupus. We even use transplant rejection drugs, these anti-rejection drugs that our transplant colleagues use. Um, In in those cases, they're using this drug to prevent their immune system from rejecting the transplanted organ, but we use them to keep the immune system from rejecting self. So we do borrow those medications from our other colleagues.
0: How, How about things like steroids or TNF inhibitors?
1: Yes. Steroids we use across the board, um, they're very effective, but unfortunately, they have a lot of side effects. And interestingly, the TNF inhibitors, we generally tend to stay away from in lupus, although they are incredibly effective for rheumatoid arthritis and and Crohn's disease because TNF inhibitors actually have been associated with um, triggering onset of lupus. Um, so so we generally don't use those Interesting. in lupus.
0: Do we know why?
1: We don't know why. Um, you know it it it's not 100% why it probably has to do with certain immune pathways that get turned on and off with the TNF inhibitors that are relevant to to lupus um, and uh and so and it's not 100% the case. There are lupus patients who use the TNF inhibitors, but as a general rule, we're concerned about using them in lupus.
0: Well, how active a pipeline of therapies are there to treat lupus, and how optimistic are you about development of new drugs that would meaningfully control, cure, change the course of the disease?
1: Well, fortunately, the pipeline remains strong. Um, Even in the setting of many, many, many companies, who have put a, invested a lot of money into developing agents for lupus. And unfortunately, the clinical trials uh, you know, did not meet their primary endpoints, and so the drugs uh, were not deemed to be effective in lupus, and so thus not approved. Um, and we were very anxious for, for quite some time, because once you have that many failures and that much investment, that goes into drug development on the part of industry, we're concerned that they may abandon lupus uh, trials. But fortunately, that's not the case. And there are a number of very promising drugs in the pipeline. So we're keeping our fingers crossed that we'll have some
0: successes. Sue Manzi, Medical Director of the Lupus Foundation of America and Chair of the Department of Medicine and Co-Founder and Director of the Lupus Center of Excellence at Allegheny Health Network. Sue, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.